I believe there's a cry uh, from the depths of God that's calling out to us. And there's a cry that when we choose to go deep comes from our hearts. It's a deep cry that words will not be able to articulate, no song can actually articulate. It's almost like a groan. It's a desire. It's a longing. And that scripture in Psalm that talks about deep calling to deep kind of paints that picture. For our voices to be heard in the depths and for us to hear the cry of the depths of God, we need to go deep. If deep is calling to deep, that means shallow is calling to shallow. To be able to respond to the cry of the deep, we need to shut off the voice of the shallow. Right now, Holy Spirit is here. He's drawing our hearts. But it's easy to just think, I feel nothing or, you know, it's easy to just not engage with what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in your heart right now. And prayer storm is about calling not just the youth, even though we focus on the youth, it's calling the church to launch into the depths of God. Not to be satisfied with just singing a song not to be satisfied with just a 30-minute or an hour worship set or whatever it is you do at your church. Not to be satisfied with just coming to a meeting and having a nice, good feeling. I remember when I went to the Ram in 2007 and I experienced God in such a powerful way. My life was turned around. And I always say, you don't know you're asleep until you wake up. God awakened me and a way I'd never, I thought I was on fire for God, and I was in my mind, but I realized I was actually not on fire for God as God called me to be. And I was at a point, maybe I was measuring how well, you can sit down if you want to, I was measuring how well I was doing spiritually with those around me, okay? So, as opposed to measuring my life with the standard of the word, I was measuring my life with external things. So I thought I was in okay. Okay? And when I went around people that were burning for God, something happened. So it was, it's, you don't have to advertise fire. Do you realize that? If I lit you on fire right now, I don't care how quiet you are, you're going to scream. And everyone is going to know you're on fire. I'm not saying that to say you have to shout as loud as you can in every worship song for people to know you're on fire for God. That's not my point. My point is if you're on fire for God, you don't have to hide it. It's obvious. And when you get around real fire, it's contagious. If you're really, if you're really hungry after God, real fire stirs something inside of you. So I was in that atmosphere of the ramp in 2007. And as amazing as the atmosphere and all the great things were happening, I remember leaving the meeting with a greater desire to want to go home and pray and seek God. And I'm saying that because right now, God is stirring our hearts for what he wants to do today, but it's beyond today. It's beyond prayer storm. It's beyond what we're doing now, but it's a part of it. And if you would expand your mind and think that this is just a catalyst for you, this is not the be-all and end-all. Many Christians live their lives from conference to conference or from meeting to meeting, okay? And it's the next great experience to have in a meeting, 
You know, it's not about how much you shake. It's not about, you know, it's the reality of the depths. You know, I, I said this yesterday. Okay, Lenin Revenue is the pastor who is not praying is plain. The people who are not praying are strained. The pulpit can be a shop window to display our talents, but the prayer closet allows no showing off. It's the reality of who you are when no one is looking. That inner depth. And I was in those meetings, and my desire for God after the, my desire for God in the meeting was so great that I was just like, I can't just wait to leave right now and go home and pray. I remember once we had our prayer night, and one of the guys on our team was saying to me, James, that's what I feel like right now. I just feel like I want to leave and go home and pray. And for me, that is what this is about. I want to, you want to live here with a greater desire to go home, to work this out when no one is looking. When there is no one to cheer you on and there's no lights. I mean, it's great to have lights. <laughs> it's great to have nice sound. But when it's just you and your roommate, nothing. I always say to people, the apostle did not have an iPod. Apostle Paul did not have an iPod to play IHOP music in his cell. All he had was the Old Testament scriptures and the Holy Spirit. And he had a, deep work with, a deeper walk with God than most of us even can fathom. So it's not about the external props that we have in the 21st century Christianity that makes us feel like we're going deeper because the music sounds nice. What makes you think you can't worship God if everyone is out of tune on the stage? The music is almost like a challenge. It doesn't ha- it's not about the music. It's about what's going on in your heart. So I always say, I wonder what would happen if we start measuring how great a meeting is. Not by the presence of God we feel in the meeting, but by the, by the desire for the presence of God we feel when the meeting is over. Okay? Because I've been to a lot of meetings, and one presence of God moving, Holy Spirit moving, conviction, and once people go up the altar, the next thing they're talking about is the next thing that's happening in the world. And what has been settling, all of a sudden, just starts drifting off. I don't know if you've ever felt this before. There are moments when God comes, and those moments, if you don't step in, you miss something. Okay? Sometimes I feel it. I'm just about doing something, and I just feel like I should just get alone and just be quiet. But I'm like, okay, I'll do that when I finish this. And in that moment, when I feel that, I can feel an anointing and the presence. If I respond, something deep happens. But in that moment, sometimes I've let it go and go, I'll do it later. And then when I come to do it, the moment has passed and I've missed something of what God was wanting to do in that moment because my heart was not fully connected. And one of the things I really want to communicate is God is calling us, and I've said this already, but God is calling us to not be shallow people. Shallow is calling to shallow the shallow voice is everywhere, everywhere around us right now. It's in the media, on the internet, TV, everything. Your friends, you know, finding out the latest gossip and what the next, latest celebrity is doing somewhere and what's happening here and there. You know, we're more concerned about the activity of the earth in the earth realm with people who are not walking with God than we are concerned about the activity in the throne room of God. There's so much activity in the throne room of God, and we need to be opening our ears to hear what's happening there. Because when we open our ears to hear what's happening there, and we align ourselves to what's happening in the throne room of God, we become a channel for God to affect this realm in the earth. We are people who are not just called to live as normal Christians, normal Christianity, going to church, okay, just ticking a box. You know what? I'll even go as far as saying even... Sometimes in your devotional life, just ticking a box. Okay, well, I guess I'm supposed to do this. 
But there is no cry anymore. There is no, there's no longing. There's no depth. There's no hunger. Nothing is stirring anymore. It's just a case of, it's become religious. It's become, okay, well, I'm just doing it. I'm just doing it, okay? And God is saying, no, I don't just want you to do it. I want relationship. And sometimes I sit and I just think back. And I'm just amazed because uh, sometimes it just hits me because it's like the God that created the universe. Just think about this. Maybe go out in the, I don't know, the, I don't know, countryside somewhere. Look at creation. Look into the sky. And imagine how small you are. And imagine that the God, he says the earth is his footstool. He's massive. Why would he want to have a relationship with me? I know what it's like to have someone important speak to me. Okay, some of you heard the story where I was in Piccadilly and the queen was walking past. And the queen of England came to me and spoke to me. I didn't start a conversation. Okay, if that happened to any of us in here, you probably feel a bit special. I mean... I'm just standing by. I didn't even know she was going to be walking past. During the Commonwealth Games. And she walks past and she speaks to me. You know, she says, all she said to me was, are you a student? And I remember just thinking, is this really happening? Am I dreaming? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm a student. And, you know, she just stands there and she's looking into my eyes for like two, three seconds. And I'm, I'm like, I'm looking into the eyes of the Queen of England. This is not a dream. <laughs> And then she smiles and walks away, and that's it. But I was on the radio. They're asking me what's it like talking to a queen. And there was, it's like, it was, I was like, my goodness, I can't believe that just happened. And I remember thinking about that, sharing that, and God saying to me, well, that's the queen. I am the king of kings and the, the king of all queens and the king of the whole universe. And I don't just want to speak to you. I know your name. And I know the number of hairs on your head. Imagine if the Queen of England knows your name and has your phone number. I bet that was something you'll be boasting about. I have a direct line to the Queen. I could text her right now. You know what I mean? That would be something that you think, wow, that's amazing. Uh, and you want to share that with people. You don't want to exploit that. You want to you make the most of it. If she's calling you on the phone, you're going to want to answer. Because you value the relationship. And many of us don't understand how amazing God is. You're not going to end your life wishing you gave less to God. I don't know anyone that has died, or, well, I don't know anyone that's died and come back to life really, but I don't know anyone that's got to the end of their life and thought, I wish I gave less to God. The greatest regret is always, I wish I gave more. I wish I gave this everything in me without compromise, without holding anything back. And I was fully focused in him. And the God of the universe wants to have real relationship. So sometimes, you know, I've been in countryside a few times, and I've just looked around and just thought, this is just unbelievable. But God knows my name, and God calls me by name, and I can feel him in my heart. And he has a purpose and a plan, and he loves me, and he loves me. He loves to hear the cry of my heart when I come to seek his face. He's right there waiting for me. You know, if God were to open your eyes to see what happens when you pray, you're always not going to miss a prayer meeting. If God were to open your eyes to what's going on, really, in the realm of the Spirit, you're never going to want to miss a prayer meeting. 
whether on a personal basis or on a corporate basis. So much activity is going on. So much is going on. And I said it yesterday, I said it again. The realm of the spirit is more real than this realm. The realm of the spirit created this realm. And if we want to change things in this realm, we have to change things in the realm of the spirit first. Because this realm is like the shadow. The shadow that's cast by the real thing. We're trying to change the shadow, but we're not trying to change things in the realm of the spirit. When you begin to understand that God is spirit, you begin to understand you have to give yourself to him. What you focus on is what you tune into. God is everywhere. But when you decide, God, I'm going to tune in, I'm going to go deeper in you, God. You're allowing your emotions, your heart to come into alignment. It's just like even negative emotions. The moment you have a negative thought, you meditate and you think of it more, what happens? It gets bigger. Bigger until it weighs you down. My wife says this. This is a Rebecca Aladdin quote. If you don't take thoughts captive, they will take you captive. Isn't that good? <laughs> and that's the truth. The point is, the realm of the spirit is a lot more real than we realize. And God is calling us to launch into the deep. A few things I was going to share, I don't even know if I'm going to get to it. Because while we're worshiping and praying and we're singing about freedom, you know, I felt God just really stirred my heart about chains. Chains being broken. You know what, right now I see this. Some of you are trying to go deep in God, but chains are holding you back. You're trying to run, but it's like you can't move because the chains are holding your feet and they're holding you from going deep in God. It could be chains of addictions. It could be chains in relationships. It could be chains of whatever form or whatever it is. Maybe chains in your mind. Maybe even chains of abuse and things people have done or said or done. And every time you get to a certain point, there's a limitation that it's like you can't go further in God because those chains are holding you back. I believe God wants to break those chains today. Okay, two people believe that. I believe God wants to break those chains today. He's a chain breaker. The blood is enough to break every chain. Not some chains. There is no chain too strong for the blood to break off. Freedom is not the length of time between sin cycles. Freedom is when the sinner is dead. And the thing that used to draw you does not draw you anymore because it's dead. Because it's been broken off. I know the reality of freedom. And I'm here to declare to you a generation that God is raising up at this time that you're not called to live in cycles of addictions and cycles of compromise. You're called to live in freedom. Because from that place, God can use you to set the captives free. We cannot bind what is binding us. You cannot have an authority over an enemy you've just been sleeping with. And in the church, we're trying to intercede for revival in the nations, but many of us are bound by the enemy. And he's just laughing at us. Because Jesus said, the God of this age has come and you found nothing in me. Nothing in me. God is calling us to a place where every chain of compromise is broken. Every chain that seeks to hold you back is every chain, every drug addiction, alcohol addiction, sexual addiction and perversion, it's broken. The darkness is going to keep increasing. But the glory of God is going to keep increasing as well. In Isaiah 60, it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. The glory of the Lord is going to rise upon the people of God who give themselves wholeheartedly to God in this season we're in. 
The Lord is not going to just pour out his glory on people who are not prepared to handle the weight of it. And we need to realize our calling is to freedom. Not to live bound anymore. I'll touch briefly on this and then I'm going to pray. Because I believe God wants to break chains. Uh, With prayer storm, we don't start out just interceding and going in in all those areas. Because... What we do is more than a prayer meeting. We're calling a generation to a lifestyle of going after God in a fervent way. In a way that's not just the bare minimum. It's like, how far can I go, God? What more can I give up? How much time in my day can I give to you? What else do you want me to give to you, God? I mean, that kind of generation, I believe those are the people that God is going to raise up in this nation. And they're going to turn the tide. They're going to shift things. A countercultural resistance to the moral decline of this day. And that's who John was in his day. In Psalms 24, uh, verse 3, it says, Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol or sworn by what is false or sworn deceitfully. And there are conditions, there are conditions to standing in God's holy hill. That particular Bible verse is quite significant because has anyone heard of the Hebridean revival um, where a few old women, I believe it was, you know, were praying for this island for God to move and God broke out in a powerful way. I think one of the verses that was very key to that revival breaking out was this verse right here. I was going to read something, but we don't have the time from some accounts from that revival. And when this verse was read, the guy, one of the guys kind of got up and kind of says, How, you know, he says some words about challenging the people, you know, if they really do have clean hands and pure hearts. And the Holy Spirit just broke out. And the revival of conviction of sin was just released in that place. And people were just weeping and just calling out to God. Okay. And I said this yesterday, but the revival I'm after is not just signs and wonders. I want to see signs and wonders, but I want to see the return of the spirit of conviction in the signs and wonders. Because I feel like what I read about is not what I see right now in the church. I'm talking about the revival spirit that releases the Holy Spirit upon God's people in such a way that people get around us and feel convicted. And I said this yesterday as well. It's a difference between successful evangelism and revival. When revival breaks in, it's not about how good you can communicate. It's about the Spirit of God moving. And when the Spirit of God came on that island, it was said at 4 a.m., people, about 600 people, okay, not Christians, woke up, okay, at 4 a.m., they don't know where to go because they can feel the conviction of sin and they can feel the heart. They know something is going on. They don't know what it is, but they know they have to confess their sins. And all they know to do is to go to the police station. 600 people, 4 a.m. in the morning, in the police station, weeping and crying. They had to call Duncan Campbell to come and minister to them. Okay? And people lay down the streets, groaning. The presence of God saw filling the whole region. People can feel him as they come into the region. I don't mean Christians. I mean non-Christians. 
And I'm saying what we're, what we're going after is not just signs and wonders. It's the invasion of the glory of God. And I know, and I know, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, people. It's not just going to happen. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be greater than what happened back then. But God is preparing the people to realize, even though he's a God of love, he's a God to be feared. It's a consuming fire. He's not just my body. He's a God of the universe. And there's an element of reverential fear and a heart of respect and a heart of awe. He's calling us to. It's beyond just a feel-good factor. Look at the people in the Bible that had real encounters with God. They were in awe and they shook and most of them were afraid. That reality, we've lost it. And I feel like one of the things God is calling me to do and to press in for is that we will see in the church not just people getting healed, but you walk into your classroom and people begin to weep because they can, feel, they can sense the presence of God because you're carrying that. Do you not just settle for small things? And even what I'm saying is still a limitation because what God wants to do is bigger than all that. Though that's just my way of trying to, uh, uh, what's the word, understand it. But I know it's beyond what I can understand right now. The revival movement that God wants to release in this nation. It's not going to be one man show, it's going to be you. And these days, God is preparing the last, days, the last day warriors. You are a warrior. In the spirit realm, you are a warrior. You might feel bound to pornography. You might feel bound in relationships. You might be, feel bound by addictions. And you might be bound by every, anything out there. But I'm here to tell you, you're marked to be a warrior in these last days. And just like John gave everything, from the age of 11, 12, 13, he's in the desert fasting and praying. Because God was preparing him in years to come to become a Nazarite voice that will shake a nation. God prepares people for a mission. When God has a special mission, he puts a demand on the life for a special lifestyle. You can't live like everybody else. You can't live like your friends in church are living because they go to this party or that party or go out clubbing here or go out. That doesn't mean you have to do that. Why do we have to look? Why, what's the, why do we have to try to fit in with everything around us? People who change history are ready to stand out from, from the crowd. Are you going to have the courage to stand out from the crowd and not fit in? Just trying to fit in with your friends. Right here in Manchester, in 1890, there was a missions movement that came out of this city. Found this out a few months ago. And I was just shocked. Impacted by the Wesley movement, I was speaking in this hall, Methodist Central Hall. John Wesley preached in that hall. Okay, and this movement was a Methodist uh, revival uh, missions movement. And there were, I was talking to a man whose grandfather was mobilizing for missions, Dennis Wrigley. You might know Dennis Wrigley, Jenny. His grandfather in 1890 was mobilizing for missions right here in Manchester. And he said, this is what he said to me. There were queues of young people signing up to go to Africa. Queues of young people. Knowing that the life expectancy was 14 weeks Cues. If that same call was given right now, and I tell you to go to Brazil or another country, wherever, how many people would even think about coming up? And I'm saying, if those young people back then could sign up for such a cause, 
it tells me there was something deep going on in their hearts. And if that same death can go on right now in this room, we're going to have a revival in this nation with just everyone here. Because you can't have that reality, go to school and, bo- and be worried about what your friends think. You can't have the reality of that passion where you're ready to die for what you believe in. You can't have that and be bothered about what's going on around you or trying to fit into the culture or the latest fashion or the latest music. Or the, you know, you're going to be like, God, my life is short and I want to give you everything while I'm, while I'm alive. Have you heard of David Brainerd? He died in his 20s, probably 28, 29, but his life story has impacted a lot of ministries and revivals because he gave himself in such an intense way. You heard of Keith Green? Similar story, he died young, but right now we're still feeling the waves and the impact of his devotion. It's not about how long you live, it's the quality of the life you live. And right now, God is calling you to live a quality life. Not a shallow life, a quality life. That if you were to die next week, you've given God your best. Can you say that? If you were to die next, can you say, God, uh, can you stand before the throne and say, God, I gave you everything and I went for this gospel with all my mind, soul, heart, and strength. Can you say that? Because that's the first and the greatest commandment. And if it's the greatest in God's eyes and it's the first, not the second, not the third, the first, and the greatest, is it the first and the greatest in your eyes? Or is it somewhere down the scale? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you're really going to fulfill that scripture, it leaves no room for other lovers. Because you give yourself in such a way that your heart is consumed. And I was saying to some guys, you know, went to a, a church on a go and we had a meeting and didn't worship and all that. And uh, young people responding in worship, not quite engaging, but it seemed like they were. The meeting finishes in the very church, they're playing secular music, and, you know, the kids are just playing their music and they're just jumping around and going crazy. And I'm saying to some guys around me, I'm like, I can't believe this. That we're able to give our passion to something lesser and give it more heart than the God who deserves all of it. There's something wrong. If you can get more excited about Manchester United or whatever team you support than the gospel and worshiping God, there's something wrong. If you can jump around and scream in your living room because your team just scored and come into church and you are frozen, there's something wrong. Your passions are misplaced. Your passions are misplaced. And God is calling us not misplaced passions, but to give him our very best. Not the leftover, the very best. He deserves your best. I'm going to round up now because I know time is going. God is calling us to be a generation that will be like John. John stood at the hinge of history and he ushered in the greatest move of God ever, Jesus. But what qualified him to stand in that place? Because in Luke 1, I believe the angel said he will be great in the sight of God. Not in the sight of man. He was great in the sight of man eventually. But he will be great in the sight of God. Not about his external activity. It was about the activity of his heart before God. It was great. Right now, what is the activity of your heart in the throne room? Is there anything going on? Or is it just dead? No communication. No reality. You know, nothing deep. You know, and sometimes I know it. Because I can close my eyes and just go, Jesus. And you know what? Right there, I could stay there for another hour. Just by saying, Jesus 
because I can feel the depths of my heart calling out to him. And the other time I say Jesus and it's just like, oh yeah, whatever. Or I sing a song a week ago, broken. This week I sing it. In fact, Evan Roberts said this. I think uh, it was uh, during the World's Revival. I think it was, uh, I might get this, I might not get this accurate, but he was uh, sent, it was advised to go to Bible school. I was going to go to Bible school maybe just before the revival or before it was about to start. The point is, I don't think he wanted to go, but he went. And when he came back, um, I think he realized that he was backslidden. And he was asked, you know, why do you feel you're backslidden? It's like, because I can look at the cross and it doesn't move me anymore. The very things that used to be real, all of a sudden have become nothing anymore. And the songs we're singing carry so much weight in the, in the meaning. And it's just like, I want to know your heart. Nothing. Nothing. That tells me something is wrong down here. Because most of us, we leave this meeting and some people will more, be more excited about the next movie they're going to watch at the cinema, the next whatever they're going to do, the next holiday you're going to go on. I'm saying let your supreme passion be Jesus. Beyond everything. Can you stand with me, please? I want those of us in front, if you don't mind, take a few steps back. Because we're going to do an altar call right now. It's going to be in different levels. But before we go as a community into interceding for the nation, God wants us to go deep in him. One, he wants to break those chains that are stopping us from going deep in him. And he wants us to resolve in our hearts to be people of the first commandment people who give ourselves fully to god no compromise no coasting along no giving our passions to other lesser lovers he is the greatest lover and our hearts should be wholly given to him because he gave us everything of who he who he is and who he was when he was on earth and who he is right now and is to come that we would give him everything because he's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness and i'm calling you to respond to this there's nothing magical about it you coming forward is saying yes to god now i want to encourage you not to be ashamed to come forward and cry out to god if you're ashamed before this crowd what makes you think you're going to be able to stand for god out there in the world i want you to respond and not come here and just wait for someone to pray for you. Respond and cry out to God. It's, listen to this. It's impossible to have real hunger for God and cry out to him and him not respond. He may not respond instantly or the way you might expect him to, but cry out to him and right there, he will see you and respond. You're starting something. We're going to sing. But as we sing, I want you to begin to come forward. I'm going to pray. Father, thank you so much. Because your love is greater than anything we can imagine.
Lord, I believe you put it in my heart that today you want to break chains of addictions. And thank you for releasing the call for us to go deeper in you. And all we're saying is yes. All we're saying is yes, God. So right now, just begin to come forward. Get on your knees and just begin to call out to God. Today is the day when every chain will be broken by the blood of Jesus. Call out to God. Don't wait for anyone to pray for you. Don't wait for anyone to speak any words over you. Say, God, today is my day of freedom. I'm coming to you, Lord. I've got to have more of you, Jesus. I will shut up the voice of the shallow God. I'm going to come to this place to seek your face, all my heart and soul. moment be a turning point father said that I could come into your presence without fear change my heart right now father Place on the 